0: Each and every week, I'm going to help you bust through the crap that's holding you back and break down the simple habits and mindset shifts that will help you rock every aspect of your life. Are you ready to do the things that most people won't so that you can live the life that most people can't? Here we go. Welcome back to the Do Your Crap Podcast, you guys. This is your host, Micah Folsom, and we have another special guest with us today, this one is going to be good. We're talking about numbers. We're talking about finances. We're talking about money. We're talking about growing, just thriving businesses. And I know lots of you are going to be here for this. So before we dig in, we've got Danielle Hendon, who is the founder and owner of four corners CFO LLC with more than a decade of experience in corporate finance and accounting. She has a passion for helping people that rivals her love of numbers. Danielle brings the benefits of big business financial analysis to entrepreneurs on a a scale that fits their company and their budget. Now, instead of helping corporations increase share price, Danielle gets to help business owners increase their personal livelihoods and be able to leave a legacy and lasting impact in their community. Y'all are in business because you want to make income. It's about time you stop feeling bad about it. So let's dig into this. Let's dig into the numbers. Let's figure out what's most important to understand and to leverage and to lean into. This one is going to hopefully empower you in the best way. So let's dig in with Danielle. All right, Danielle, I am so excited for this conversation. I feel like this is like one that needs to come to the table first and foremost. So tell us before we dig into. All of the nitty gritty, all of the meat, all of the good stuff. The best stuff is always your story. How did you become a CFO? How did you become, how did you get into this work? Just all the good stuff.
1: Yeah. So I started like most accountants do after college. I went into public accounting and I did the grueling 80 hour weeks. And I'll be honest, I loved it. Like I loved what I did in audit. But then I started a family and I realized newborns and 80 hour weeks don't mesh very well. Right? No. (laughs) So being in Houston, the natural kind of shift for me was oil and gas. That's where a lot of my experience Mm. was. So I went into an oil and gas company and I love, again, loved what I did, loved who I worked with. And the, the natural result of that is I became a bit of a workaholic because when you love what you do, you throw yourself into it. And the company went through bankruptcy in, I think it was 2018 when oil and gas tanked and they came out the other side owned by financial bankers that just started slicing and dicing and selling everything off. And then the pandemic hit. (laughs) So we all kind of looked at each other and we were like, this is going to close. This is for real going to close. This is it. What's next. And in the mix of all of that, the pandemic for me, was a double-edged sword. Like I said, I was that workaholic. I loved what I did. I loved my kids. Don't get me wrong, but I loved what I did in my career. Mm -hmm. And now I was stuck at home with my kids. (laughs) I got a whole other perspective of motherhood that I hadn't had up until then. And I realized while we were in the process of interviewing a nanny to take them to all the things, because that's what you do in corporate America. I didn't, want to do that anymore. I wanted to yeah, be the swim right. mom. I wanted to get to be at practice and get to know the other moms and the kids and the coaches and looking back, hindsight 2020, I needed to be there. My son was going into 6th grade. It was a huge transition year. And so all of that being said, I didn't want to be driving 3 hours downtown again. And I knew if I went back yeah. into oil and gas, that's what I would do. I would be driving 3 hours. I would be the workaholic mom again. We'd be hiring the nanny. They didn't want to give what I had now found up. So I took a new look at what I do and what I love, and I asked, "How can I maintain this new balance in my life and still do it. what I love?" And that's where I came to this fractional CFO work, because I realized I so had cool. helped take a billion-dollar oil and gas business to 20 people. I know how to take really big, complicated financial processes to a small business, and they need this information.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, we need it so badly. This is like one of the, we
1: were chatting before this,
0: and I'm like, this is gonna be so good. This is what so many entrepreneurs that you like get into business because you fall in love with something. You fall in love with the work, the helping people, the impact, the purpose, the product, the whatever. And then you're like, holy freaking crap! I've never run a business before. What the heck? How do I run this efficiently? Do I do have a business
1: this? degree, and I don't know how to. run it. <laughs>
0: Right? But it's like, this is, this is so, I'm just so excited to dig into this.
2: You have one unheard message. Hi, I was
1: calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop.
2: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
0: So before we dig into the numbers and effectively running businesses and what to pay attention to and all of that stuff, I want to talk about the mindset side of money first, because so many of our listeners get into business. Like I was talking about because they want to make a difference. They want to do good. They want to serve. They want to help. And then they also come into it carrying this load of baggage around making more money. They feel bad about it. They feel guilty. They feel shame. They feel like, who am I? They feel unworthy. They feel, and then that messes with their head and that messes with the work they do. And it totally is (laughs) like they're self-sabotaging themselves left and right. And they can't figure out why can we just dig into that a little bit? Like how? I would love to. How do we overcome that? How do we get through that?
1: The That's short answer question, is right? we don't. <laughs> <laughs> right? exactly. um, so I thought getting into doing this that I was going to be like buried in numbers and doing all the spreadsheets and all the geeky accounting things. And then I realized, nope, I get to be part coach because we spend so much For time real. talking about thoughts and what people think yeah. about money. And even before I talk to somebody, it's cracking that shell of, you don't have to hide from your numbers. You don't have to be ashamed of them being a hot mess. Everybody's numbers are a hot mess at some point because somebody else needs to manage them for you. That's not what you're in business to do unless you're a bookkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, and that's and that's point number one. Like, and and before
0: we move in, when do you hire someone else? At what point is like a smart time to be like, okay, I need someone to come in and help me handle this stuff.
1: I think that's the big question. Everybody needs a bookkeeper. There is from ground zero. If you are making money and you can afford, everybody can afford a bookkeeper. I'm just gonna put it that way. You can't afford not to have a bookkeeper because if you are making money, your time and the value of your time is better spent not figuring out how to open and use QuickBooks. Right, exactly. But that yes. also goes back to the mindset, I think. And I was listening to one of your recent podcasts with the hustle culture stuff. I was like, we are oh, all yeah. in this place of, I've just got to keep giving and giving and putting and doing and going. And they do that in business too. I have to put yeah. all my money back in. I have to put all my time back in. I have to, what do we leave for ourselves? And then we feel guilty if we take any of it for ourselves. Like, no, I yeah. need to grow my business. What I can't take money from me. I've got to put it back into doing this and doing that. There when I say the amount of mindset that goes into to thinking about money to managing your money, it's almost more mindset than it is like logistics.
0: Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Totally. Oh man. Okay. So I love it. So how you mentioned like you've got to give yourself you've got to you've got to pay yourself. You can't just like be making money pouring everything in da, da da So where where is the balance in that? Like, what's the smart way? To live your life and support your family and pay the bills and also have that portion to reinvest
1: in your business and grow it and expand and hire and do all of those things. So it's a couple of different things. And the answer is going to be different for everybody. Everyone's in a different season of life. I always, I open up with my clients and I ask what their goal is. Is your goal to grow the business? Is your goal to bring home more money? Is your goal to have more time? Because whatever that goal is, is going to drive how we manage the money. Yeah. And if your goal is to grow the business, then yeah, we are going to probably put more back in the business than we put in your pocket for a little while. If your goal is to have more time, then we're probably going to spend more on hiring people so that you can have that time. But if your goal is like, I need to put some money in my pocket right now to pay this electricity bill, then we need to figure out how to put that money in your pocket right now. Otherwise your business doesn't stick around.
0: I love it. And that and that's such a simple well, what is your goal with the business? Like what season are you in? Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people get to a point where they're frustrated with the growth or maybe they feel stuck, but then they're not willing to reinvest in it. They're not willing to hire and delegate. And it's like or you got to go. at least so yes, like oh my gosh, letting go of the control of doing all the things. That's another huge thing. Oh my. There's <laughs> so the many. This is like, oh my gosh, real. There's so many things we could go into. Um, okay. So I want, I want to talk about just from a running a business perspective, like where, when you get a P and L say, you say, when you start to understand where, how much you're investing into your business, how much you're making, like there's a million expenses on there. There's a million categories. Like what are the things that are most important to pay attention to, to be aware of, to kind of set some goals around what are those things that a business owner should know when you don't know everything that's going on, you're paying attention to other areas. What should we always be aware of just
1: to kind of stay on top of things? Profit, which is Profit. going to show on your PNL as net income. That's the easiest number to go look at, but most business owners are looking at revenue. They're not looking at And that's income. total minus like that's, that's not
0: in that's not including all of your expenses, all of your stuff that you're dishing out. That is total,
1: total, total coming in. Yeah. Your revenue is what money you brought in, but that profit, that net income, that's that very bottom line at the bottom of your PL. And ideally it's not red. <laughs> yeah, ideally.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. So if someone is like, okay, well, what if it is red? Like at what stage of the business? Cause I feel like we've got so many different entrepreneurs at different levels. So Mm -hmm. when you're earlier on, sometimes you are operating in some red to like get it off the ground and get it going and to get things, you know, really rolling and expanding. How long is too long though, to be in the red? Like at what point do you have to be like, "Okay, I got to get my shiz together. I got to actually do the things that are bringing in more Mm -hmm. and spending less. Like you gotta, you, you gotta also be
1: aware of those things as well. I would say, and I know everybody says it three to five years, that three to five year mark for a business is pivotal. You're going to grind for three years to get to where you want to get, but you also have to take there. There's so much about being an entrepreneur. That's personal. Your business is personal. You're passionate about what you're doing in your business, but it is a direct line to your personal income as well. So if you aren't paying personal bills, you're just doubling down on the amount of stress that you're giving yourself. So if you did not come into this business with what I like to say is a cash runway, a nest egg, a safety net, if you don't have some cash flow to give yourself some time to build the business, then you need to look into what's available to you as a small business owner, as a woman in business the different options for debt, which is another really big mindset thing. I personally am very debt averse in my personal finances, but there has to be some wiggle room in your business because it takes that much time to grow. Yeah. Did y'all
0: hear that? Did, did y'all hear that? She just said three to five years of grinding. Like I think this gets missed a lot. So I have a lot of network marketers and if you're aware The buy-in to start your business is like a hundred freaking bucks. So the buy-in for their commitment to the business is about that as well. And I think that's the biggest block for people who are like, why is this not working? Why am I not more successful? Well, look at the commitment level that you're putting into your business. Realistically, how much you have almost zero risk. You're not putting in hundreds of thousands of dollars to start this business and your back is up against the wall. And you know that you've got to pour into it to grow and to expand like a brick and mortar would. You literally have like 150 bucks depending on your company. And then you are frustrated with the results you're getting because you're putting in about $150 worth of commitment to grow this business. She just said grinding for three to five years. And I want you to hear this because That is so crucial commitment daily, prioritizing it, like putting it in, this is essential to any business, but it's like pivotal. And that's where, I mean, I was fortunate enough to not hit the ground running, but like I I'm just the type of personality that when I decided to do something, I'm like, I'm not gonna waste my time. If I'm gonna like do this, I'm gonna actually do it and make it worth, I'm gonna make it worth it. I'm gonna make it like, you know, help our family. And so it, it's interesting though, to look back at the growth progression of our businesses. And obviously every business is different depending on the industry and whatever, but that three-year mark is like magic. There's something like, magical there. Oh my gosh, <laughs> there is. But that's only when you were grinding and committed and putting in the work consistently for yeah. three to five years, not dabbling half in half out toe dipping kind of doing it
1: kind of not so like, that has nothing to do with finance I mean you could have the largest or the smallest financial commitment it's the hours you're putting in that's the grind yeah, totally
0: and it's it's more of the mindset like when someone's like Ugh. My favorite question is like, well, how long does it take to be successful? And I'm like, dude, what? Like that's, I don't know. I don't know your work ethic. I don't know your commitment. I don't know your skill set. I don't know your mindset. I don't know where you need to grow. I don't know your network. Like so much goes into that, but there's such a mindset around, I am committed. Like I am Mm -hmm. committed to this business. I'm committed to growth. I'm committed to my goals. I'm committed to my vision and that decision. And then you figure it out is like, it, it, it's crucial. It's essential. So, if you're listening and you're like, how is this talking about finances? This all goes into it. Okay. Yes. You've got to make that commitment to it, but it really is that decision. And then that growth trajectory is like, you've got to be patient. You've got to be willing to, and it's so to hard. see the
1: ups and downs and ups and downs. And it's not a straight line to success. No, but Ever. it is exponential. I feel like Absolutely. you start slow and then it just start it it is exponential Absolutely. in those 3 years.
0: Yeah. And that 3 year mark though when you said that I'm like oh yeah 3 3 year 3 was like whoa how did that just happen <laughs> it like didn't even make sense in my brain like how did that growth just happen it was like this quantum leap but that's the power of consistent growth and and not just you but helping your team and helping your clients and helping your what, whether it's a team working alongside you that you're expanding that way, or a team that if you're in network marketing, you're developing humans and you're helping them grow that three to five year, Like that is, that is a sweet spot, but most people don't even make it there because they get so frustrated and disappointed
1: and whatever, you run that out of money, time. you run out of time. Yeah. You, yeah. you have to be passionate about, you have to be passionate enough about the business you're running to oh, give yeah. it that much time. Absolutely.
0: That is the truth.
1: And that comes from just
0: creating a process and loving the process and knowing that you want a result and you want a destination and you can see it, but you've got to love the daily, like the daily grind, the daily work, align it with who you want to be as a human. Because when you do that, you're like, freak, I don't care how long it takes. I'm building an epic life, doing work I love, growing as a human, making an impact. Like,
1: let's go. So that was one of the hardest things I think for me being type A accountant, I am not the most extroverted. I know y'all are just like, what? (laughs) 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 I am very much the, let me sit behind my screen introvert, but I had to learn how to turn it on. I had to learn how to love love this, how to love the interaction. And I realized I love the one-on-one because I really get to know other people and I have a heart for knowing other people.
0: That's awesome. And I love that You're like, this is not, this is not my natural. This is not who I was, but it's who I became. It's who I grew into because I knew that this is where I, like, this was my sweet spot. The one-on-one, this is where I can make a difference.
2: And like you said, you've got to
1: love it. You've got
0: to learn to love the process or you're not
1: going to get there. Yeah.
0: 100%. I love it. Okay. Um, what do you mean? What do you mean when you tell everyone you, you want people to put more profit in their pocket? We kind of talked about this. But I think this needs to be heard again.
1: <laughs> yes. So I had said earlier, so many business owners focus on their revenue and you may be yeah. like, Oh, I'm a seven figure business. I'm making all this money." But what, how much is actually going back to paying your personal bills and your personal vacations, your lifestyle, the things you want out of life, not just growing a business. And that's the profit in your profit, P- profit in your pocket. <laughs> I love it. And
0: it's so it- interesting. I I just I think now it's like you can hear and I think people throw that around all the time like oh I built the seven figure course and da, da da and you're like and you just spent $250,000 on ads and you did this and you spent that and it's like I didn't even know this was a thing until I created my program and learned what people did and I'm like whoa whoa is that actually what it takes and I'm like I'm not willing to do that no thank you I'm going to do it differently but nope. that is they throw that around like oh I'm the seven figure what and then if you really dug into it, some of them are like really struggling in real life,
1: like with finances, which is really sad because the goal, even for a seven figure business, the goal is to be taking home at least half of that. Right. Yeah. So I mean, tax sufficiently, but let's take home half right. of that.
0: <laughs> taking a quick time out to fill you in on my first free masterclass for entrepreneurs. What if you really believed that everything that you wanted to build with your business was possible for you? What if it could be easier? What if it could be more joyful? What if you actually enjoyed the process every single day as you showed up to do the work? Do you think you could be consistent? I think you could. So many entrepreneurs are relying on motivation. They're relying on getting through it. They're relying on the grind. They're relying on the hustle And then they get burnt out, they get overwhelmed, they get stuck, they lose the joy, and they wonder why they can't keep showing up to build their dreams, to hit their goals. And as I look back over the years on how I've built my business and how we've reached over seven figures annually, there's some things that I've just done differently. And I want to teach you that. So in this masterclass, we're going to uncover some core beliefs that we can help you rewrite in order to move you through those things to a more empowered state And I'm going to reveal to you my seven essentials that I believe every successful entrepreneur is building their business around in some capacity. So this is going to help you really, really, really identify any gaps that you have, learn how to course correct and help you move through this state of overwhelm, frustration, lack of movement, lack of joy, wherever you are, we're going to move through that and into alignment, into flow into excitement, into fulfillment, into joy, because I can promise you that is easy to show up for. So, so get access here at Micah slash seven essentials, number seven essentials. And that'll take you to get registered for the masterclass. And I can't wait for you to dig into this. Okay. Back to the show.
1: Yeah. Do you? How do? Can we talk about taxes? Is that like? I can dabble in taxes. I know enough to help you ask your CPA the right questions. Perfect. Let's let's go there because, like, for the
0: entrepreneur, that's like, okay, I'm starting to make some money, and I'm like, am I gonna get hit hard? What do I put away? How much do I save? How much do I put aside? What am I able to write off? Like, obviously, that's a CPA question and different for everyone. But like, how does someone, would you just say, find a good CPA and ask them all the questions? Or like, what are some kind of guidelines?
1: So unlike the bookkeeper, I don't think you always need a CPA if you are just starting out. Um, A lot of sole proprietors can do their own taxes without too much trouble. Mm -hmm. TurboTax and other systems will walk you through so much of that without having to pay a CPA. I will say that when you start getting closer to a six figure mark, when you're looking into possibly switching over to an S-corp, when you're getting into the more serious business structures that a CPA can be really beneficial. I am a huge proponent of finding a CPA that is strategic and not just filing your taxes. Yeah. Especially when it's a client that I'm working with. I want to make sure that me and the CPA and the bookkeeper are all working to make your money do the most work it can. Yeah, that's huge.
0: I love that. And what what should they like starting out? What are the things that will make the tax side so much easier? Do you would you do you advise like setting up a separate business account? having a separate
1: space, like so they're not all intertwined with always have to have separate (laughs) business and personal should always be separate, especially for those of you that set up like an LLC so that you can protect yourselves. Mm -hmm. If you are mixing business and personal, you are breaking what they call the veil, you're piercing the veil and you are no longer protecting yourself with an LLC. So that's a really big deal. That's huge. I also like to tell people from the sole proprietors, the startups that are just getting going, if you don't have a CPA, make sure you're setting aside 20 to 30% of that income that's coming in because you are going to have a tax bill that has to get paid. Yeah,
0: yeah. Did you guys hear that? 20 to 30%. So every time you get a check, you're just putting that into like a little savings account or something to the side that you know that you can have that on hand so that when the tax bill comes, you're not like, wait, what the crap? Um, One of the things that I hear often, and I think this is so interesting and I just kind of want to bring it up, is that idea of people are afraid of the success because they don't know how to manage the money. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to someone who's maybe struggling with that block?
1: Don't cut yourself, don't cut yourself short. Essentially, there are people like me, there are great bookkeepers, there are great CPAs, there is a wealth of knowledge and assistance out there if yeah. you are capable of building a seven-figure business, go get it, girl. Build that seven-figure business <laughs> yeah, and get some help in getting there along the way.
0: Yeah. And what a blessing that there's people out there. The things that you hate in your business that you're like, gosh, I just hate doing this. I hate spending time doing this. There's people who love doing that stuff. Like oh, yeah. and how cool that you get to give them an opportunity to make income doing things that, that they love. Like, I feel like that's such a blessing of entrepreneurship is building a team around you of people who are so much better at doing the things that you hate and you get to pay them money to help them live the life that they want to
1: live. Like how cool right? is that? That's a, And it's amazing. I love to tell people. So part of my business, I don't do bookkeeping and I don't do taxes because I have zero desire to do either one of them, <laughs> Good but I you. know so many people that do. <laughs> yeah. And I love being able to pass people back and forth and help each other grow a business. The, I don't know if you've heard the saying, the whole rising tides lifts all boats. Like oh, if we yeah, can all yeah. just help each other, the world is a better place.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. I'm all about that life for sure. Um, where would you say like for the business owner that they've made some money, they've do, they're, they're able to bless their family's life. They're starting to bring more in. Where is the, where's money best spent when it comes to wanting to start to scale, wanting to start to bring in more income? How do you know it's a smart, ROI, like how do you make those choices? And obviously it's different for every industry, but just kind of a, just somewhere to start that thinking process.
1: Yeah. So when I'm walking through things with a new client, one of our, one month we spend looking at expenses. They don't spend a month. I spend a month. We spend an hour talking about it, (laughs) (laughs) but you, I break expenses into three groups where you're going to spend your money is going to be three different places. It's either required Licensing fees permits things that you have to pay insurance and I'm going to ask you when is the last time you shopped them around if they're shoppable to make sure you're getting the best rates, the other one is going to be frivolous expenses we all know we've done that subscription box before, and we've. I don't even remember. I've done like Sparkle, Hustle, Grow. I love them. And I was like, all these pretty things come in the mail, but it's not necessarily helping grow my business. It's just fun to get. And then we have what I call investments. So every other expense, if it's not frivolous, if it's not required, it is an investment in your business. I'm not saying it's a good one, but it is an investment. So we sit down and talk about, is this investment bringing you back more time? Is it bringing you back more money? And how are we tracking to make sure it's doing that? And that gets mm-hmm. into kind of that return on investment and what we call key performance indicators or KPIs, actions yeah. you can take that will grow your business or harm your business. And you need to be monitoring those things so you know if that, if that investment is good. Marketing is always a good investment. I personally feel like I'm throwing spaghetti at the wall half the time, but figuring out how to track it is gonna yeah. be the key to knowing if it's a good investment.
0: I love that. Um, how would you... Do you feel like there's like a certain percentage or like how much is a smart, you make this much, you put this much back into your business. Like, is there something that's kind of a baseline to build
1: on? So it varies. I'm a big proponent of Profit First by Mike McAllowitz. If none of you have read it, I highly recommend it. He has what he calls a profit assessment in there. And it talks about how to at different levels of business, different income levels, how you should be putting profit away, how much should be going to, to you, how much should be going back into the business, and how much should be spent on. He even breaks expenses out between those that are part of your revenue stream and those that are part of your business. Um so huge fan of his, I actually walk my clients through my own version of a profit assessment when we first start out. Um, and that helps to guide, like I said, it's almost always in that kind of 50% range of like operating expenses. And then 50% is about what you want to be bringing home. I love it. And that's,
0: that, I mean, that's, I feel like so many people were just like, I have no idea. So 50, 50, like that's such a simple, okay. So it breaks like, into
1: a little more specifics, but the easy yeah. answer. Yeah.
0: Okay. I love it. Um, what would you say as far as when someone is ready to bring someone in? Cause you're a fractional CFO essentially comes in and like does, does a lot like helps in a big, big, big way. At what point in a business would you say that someone like
1: you is pretty essential? It depends on the CFO. I have learned in networking with other fractional CFOs, we all do things a little different. We all look Mm -hmm. at things a little different. For me personally, ideally you want to be in six figures or you're like really pushing to get to that six figures just to make my price point make sense. I never want to charge somebody for something that's not going to be of the most value to them. Um, And then once you really start getting into that half a million, you want to make sure you're putting your money in the right place. I love it. Do you like, how can we talk
0: about investing or starting to like, cause I feel like lots of times in corporate America, you have those things in place. They're like, oh yeah, put this into a 401k and I'll match it and this. And then you go into entrepreneurship and you're like, oh, like, what the heck, where do I go? What do I start? What would, for someone who's like ready to have some extra income, they're like, what should I do? What's the
1: smartest thing? What would you say to that? Depends on your business structure. Because that's going to help decide what's available to you and how many employees you have and what you want to do for you and them and if that differentiates in any way. But my rule of thumb when it comes to like owner's comp and benefits and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. I don't care how big a business you are. If you are filing as an S-Corp, you should be under six figures in salary because the rest of that is supposed to be non-taxable profit distributions. Like you don't pay social security and Medicare as an S-Corp on those profit distributions. And I know I'm getting a little nitty gritty here. (laughs) No, this is good. This is good. (laughs) The other thing I say is SEP, self-employed plans for IRAs and retirement is a huge way to save money on taxes. If you have that financial capability, you have to talk to somebody that runs those plans to make sure you're treating your employees yourself and everything's flowing the right way. You're crossing the T's, dotting the I's, but you definitely have a number of options available to you that allow you to take huge amounts of monies out of your business and put it into retirement plans.
0: Love it. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that stuff what would you say, um, for someone who's ready to hire might like hire some teammates and expand and not do all the things anymore. Are you team independent contractor bring on a full-time employee as a W2? What's the smartest way as a business owner to start building out your team? Is there like a, at what point that makes sense versus another or
1: I feel like the running theme of this is going to be, it depends,
0: right? <laughs> That's always how it is
1: with finance stuff. Always. <laughs> it depends on what you're trying to do. So I have, I love working with attorneys that are trying to hire their first associate. That's a, a sweet spot of mine. And I've been helping some of them figure out how do you hire that first associate? And we literally sit down and I say, okay, what do you do in a day? What does your VA do? What does your paralegal do? What would the associate do? What would you do? And how does this break out with each of your service offerings? So when it comes to revenue and profit margin, we're digging down to like, what is the hourly rate of everybody? And what are we going to make off of this? What is the most efficient? If you have the workload for a W-2 employee, get a W-2 employee. Why not? Have the confidence in your ability to lead. You've grown this phenomenal business. Have the confidence to hire somebody that you know and love working with. And you're getting to provide a livelihood to somebody else. I mean, how amazing is that?
0: It is the coolest. (laughs) I I would say that that's one of the most unexpected blessings of expanding businesses where you get to actually hire on people who love their jobs and you get to provide an opportunity for them to then like, it's the coolest. I never thought I would ever be able to do that.
1: And you get to build a company culture that you, like the company culture you always wanted, you get to create that.
0: It's so true. And it's so cool.
1: So I have not, there's nothing wrong with contractors. I have contractors. I hire out 1099 employees as well. But if you have something that you're paying 40 hours a week on, it's time to start thinking if that should be a W-2. Okay, that's a. I mean, that's
0: a good baseline because it's that's easy to measure. Like, okay, I've got this 1099 and like contractor, but she's booking 50 hours a week. Sweet,
1: probably time to W two. Because you're almost always paying a 1099 contractor more than you would pay a W two to start with, Mm. because of those benefits. And if you want Mm. the benefits too, you might as well offer the benefits as a business. And now they've got the benefits, you've got the benefits, and you just saved some money on salary.
0: Can we talk about those really quick? Like for someone who's like, wait, what the crap benefits? What are you even talking about? What are those when, when you do bring on
1: health insurance (laughs) and it is not a cheap one. There are a lot of resources out there, but health insurance, dental insurance, and there's like a ridiculous amount of supplemental insurance people can offer. You can get life insurance. There's a lot of creative ways that you can use benefit packages to get what you want. And also improve your financial standings, because that's that's just a direct write-off. Okay. Yes. So,
0: like when you're saying financial standings,
1: is that what you're? Yes. So, from a tax-efficient perspective, yeah. I'm not going to say it's all a direct write-off. There's some nuance to everything, but having those benefits is yes a deduction in some way, shape, or form.
0: I love it. Okay. What else can we dig into? What else is there? Anything else that you Feel like entrepreneurs maybe are just really messing up or missing the boat on, or something that you're like, Gosh, if I could just share this thing, it would really help them. Is there
1: anything like that that you want to share with our listeners? So, my number one rule that I never want to walk away from a podcast or a webinar or any chance to talk to people and not say is you need to put 1% of profit in a separate bank account that is out of sight, out of mind, and you need to do it before you pay anything else. As women, And as business owners, we give everything. And if you pay all the bills and then want to take the profit at the end, you're almost always going to end up with no profit at the end. But if you pay yourself first and you prioritize that profit and you put it out of sight, out of mind, you'll figure out how to pay the rest of the bills. We always do. Yeah. I love that.
0: So you're saying just open up a whole different account, something that's not linked to any of your others. You're not seeing all the different accounts in one place, totally separate. You put it in there, you don't look at it, you let it grow, you let it just continue to get added in, added in, added in. and that's so like one percent, you guys. Like one we every week can all so do one percent, right? That's so doable. I love that you said that though, because that's anyone out there who's like, Oh, I don't have extra, is probably been like, Okay, I I could actually do that. I could actually do that. So I love that. And that's and if you have more to do that, like add a little bit in, like do a yes. little bit more and get into that habit. And that's how. Um, it's like that. It's like that. Would you rather have a penny for a day for 30 days? Or would you rather have a million dollars? Like that's the concept. You guys, we have this opportunity. We have years and years and years, hopefully years and years and years to let this just continue to grow. And
1: like the power of that. And use it to so, reward yourself. Yes. You hit a big milestone, go grab some money out of that profit and take a vacation. I love it. Yes.
0: Cause then you're not running into crap. Crap, I just spent all those things back into my business and now I can't even celebrate. Yes. I love that. So good. Well, you're the cutest. I'm so, I love this. I love, I'm a little bit different. I feel like lots of women um, have a hard time talking about money and they have a hard time talking about income and there's like this huge block. And I had some money crap that I had to work through. I had some guilt. I had some, I feel bad about wanting more money. I feel bad about talking about it. I feel bad about sharing success when people are struggling. But then when I really got clear on what we wanted to do with our money, the impact we wanted to make, the more good we could do as we made more money, like how we could contribute, everything changed. And I'm like, I want more women to make more money because- they will do more good in the world. They will give more, they will serve more, they will impact their families more. They will, and I'm like, let's put more money in the hands of good people. And that's essentially what we get to do in this day and age. There's ample opportunity for people to build side incomes and have multiple streams of income. And if you're struggling financially, this is going to sound mean, but that's a choice at this point in time because there are, I mean, turn on, flip on your phone, open up the computer. There's a million different ways
1: to and do what you love, Find yes, something to do what you, you love, love,
0: to lean into your strengths, to get creative, to use your experience, to amplify what like, there's so many things. So I just want you guys to just feel like empowered and excited and not be scared. To make more money, because that is one of the biggest things that I hear is like, well, yeah, I have these goals, but what am I going to do when I start making this? And I don't know how to manage it. And what if I, what if I make it all? And then it's all gone. It's like, if you made it once, you can make it again. So get rid of that altogether, Yes, but understand that so much of the financial stuff is mindset. Like we talked, you about. just have to be willing
1: to talk about it.
0: Yeah, it's the truth. And you have to be willing to work, work through the stuff, like yeah. unpack where you got the stories and where you carry the baggage from and all of that stuff. Cause it, as you kind of create clarity around that, you're like, oh, okay. I understand why I thought that, but now I understand how I can think differently and I can yes. see things differently and your perspective shifts and ugh, it's just so powerful. It really is. <sighs> I love it. You're lucky to do this work. This is really cool. You get to work
1: closely with people to do really cool things in their businesses. Like that's awesome. Oh, I am so phenomenally blessed. Like, I can't tell you how much I love I love getting into the numbers, but I love when the light bulb goes off. I love when someone oh, yeah. gets that moment you just talked about and then I I can do that. Like we've got this. And I'm gonna when we sit down and we budget for a year and they see that number at the end and they're like, I'm gonna make what? Yes, that's that so is what cool. we're gonna make this year.
0: I love it. That's so cool. You guys, if you need to learn more about this stuff and you're like, oh, this is such an area where I'm like, ah, I feel so scattered. Do you have any resources or do you have anything that will like help them kind of navigate all of this
1: uncharted territory? So I love, like I said, I'm very much in the one-on-one kind of thing. I love just getting yeah. to know people and talking to people. And I'm more than willing to jump on a consult call and answer all the questions, even if you're not in that six-figure range. So they can go to my website, which is the number four corner CFO.com, and they can book a consult there, or they can check me out. I'm always posting things on LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is also four corner CFO. Perfect. Awesome. Danielle, you are
0: such a gem. I loved chatting with you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your light and your knowledge. Um, You guys, if you feel like your team, if you have people that you work with that are not super savvy in the building a business and the finances and the numbers area, send this episode to them. Let them get connected with Danielle as well, because the more empowered you feel, lots of times we feel stuck or scared just because we don't know. And as you become more aware and as you learn more and you become more confident and competent, you're like, okay, let's freaking go. And it's like the sky kind of opens up to possibility. So don't play small. Don't let any limiting beliefs, don't let any fears, don't let any doubts keep you from sharing and doing the work that you're called to do. Because if it's on your heart, there's a reason for it. And if there's a block in front of you, That like their only way through that is through that. So let's do the work to unpack that and move through it. And that's where you are going to literally blow your mind, what you're capable of, because holy moly, we are put on this earth for so much good. And this is one of the things that I see hold so many women back and I just want to help them break through it. So thanks for coming in and helping move people through these kind of uh, feelings and situations because, because this is the important stuff that they need to be talking about. It's the messy metal. And I love it. It really is. It really is. And you're like, I'm here for it. This is what I live for. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Danielle. And we'll hopefully have you back on. Thank you. All right. Bye you guys. See you next week.